everybody. I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. As I say, everybody, it's a beautiful day in paradise, and in South Florida, it really is, and I'm grateful I'm here. I'm just talking to New Jersey, and it's snowing up there. Just talking to Texas, and it is wintry cold out there. And down here, yeah, we're having cold. It's about 60 degrees. But this afternoon, it'll be 78 and time for golf. It's pretty. And I just want to say thank you for being here with us today on Stand Up and Speak Up. We have an extraordinary guest coming in, a woman that, again, I have not met in person, but I've listened to multiple podcasts this morning and feel like she's my new best friend for the day. So everybody, please welcome Ms. Linda Fisk from Dallas, Texas area. Linda, are you there? Yes, thank you so much, Debbie. What a pleasure to be with you this morning. And I can't wait to dive into our conversation and also have a conversation with all of your listeners. So I I thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of today's program. Well, I'm excited to be here. You are an extraordinary woman. And as I was telling you earlier, I was talking with my husband the other night and I said, she is one of the most articulate women that I've listened to in quite a long time because I've been in on your podcast and the things with Leadership Global and it's just been extraordinary. And then I started listening to a show this morning about your background and we're going to dive right into that, Linda, because I want my, my listeners to understand who my guests are. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everybody that has made an impact in the world, everybody that includes all of us, have said something happened in our lives and it has changed us for the good but many times we don't want to speak about it. So we're going to go back to your background. Where did you come from? How did you grow up? And give me a little bit of a feel of who the real Linda Fisk was back then. Thank you so much, Debbie. I will say that I had a really idyllic childhood, except for one major challenge that haunted me from the time that I can remember all the way through college. And that was that I had a really pronounced stuttering problem. I literally could not connect with other people because of my uneven rate of speech, uh, my habit to repeat words, and a very pronounced stutter. It started when I was a very young child, and I was considered to be clinically shy, which means that I was unable to hold eye contact with strangers. Even when my parents urged me to look someone directly in the eye, shake their hand, and say hello, and I'm sure every parent in America can relate to instructing their child how to be polite and how to greet a stranger, but I couldn't do it. And over time, I developed a penchant for whispering my words at an uneven rate of speech and actually repeating my words with a really pronounced stutter. Social settings and high-stress environments made it nearly impossible for me to speak. I became more and more self-conscious, and the tension in my voice made it more and more difficult to even utter a word. Of course, over time, my frustration with my attempts to communicate led to hesitations or prolonged pauses before I started to speak. And by the time I could even utter a word, the conversation had already moved on. So over time, it became easier to remain quiet. And by the time I was in high school, I had the nickname Mouse because I was quiet as a mouse. And this type of stuttering developed as I consciously began to avoid words, 
sounds or even situations that might trigger my stuttering and involve a struggle. So I hid my problem from most other people because I had developed a behavioral pattern and a coping mechanism that kept me pretty vigilant at all times. But I do remember back in grade school, my father visited all my teachers prior to the start of a new school year, asking them to be sensitive to the fact that I was clinically shy with a pronounced speech impediment and to never call on me in the classroom. He actually demanded that the teachers agree to refrain from ever asking me to solve a problem on the chalkboard, face the class for a presentation, or any other way further damage my already pretty fragile self-esteem. So the emotional injuries from my struggle with stuttering became almost an invisible disability that further isolated me. It made me feel more and more insignificant. And believe me, I had tried monitoring my rate of speech. Uh, I tried breath support. I tried lardinial tension, but to very little effect. The words just seemed to get stuck. Or I was repeating those words over and over to the exasperation of anybody that was listening. So interestingly, I found that my vocal cords tended to lock up during stress. And the speech patterns that followed included repetitions, interruptions, uh, prolonged pronunciation of words or sounds or syllables. But if I was in a safe place with just one or two close friends or family members and very little stress or anxiety, sometimes my speech could be quite normal. So it really was psychological and not neurological. And as I look back on my father's instructions to my teachers, I can see that his love for me really guiding his decision to protect me from further social anxiety and emotional injury. But I got to tell you, I also wonder if I would have found my path to overcome my clinical shyness and my speech impediments maybe earlier if I hadn't been spared in my early years. Do you think, though, that if you had spoken out more or tried to, that the children around you might have bothered you more? Was there any bullying to begin with, or were you just too quiet they didn't know what was going on? No, there was definitely uh, times where people poked fun of me, would make fun of me, would question me, would ask uh, sort of intrusive questions. Uh, I'm sure partly because they were simply curious. And by the time I was in college, I knew I needed to find a way to effectively manage my stuttering in order to have the life that I really envisioned for myself. By then, I knew I wanted to work in advertising and marketing because after years of observing, listening, and studying people, I had an innate sense of how people seemed to be motivated, how they made choices, what seemed to guide decisions, what persuaded people to make certain choices. So after years of being quiet and reserved and watching the behaviors of my classmates, I noticed which popular classmates seemed to be the most admired, seemed to be the most respected, charismatic, well-liked, and why. So I began to see these classmates influenced and inspired uh, and how they persuaded people to make various choices. I was fascinated by the key motivations that seemed to drive actions and the common needs and desires that these persuasive peers of mine seemed to tap into. I also knew by then that I was a pretty gifted artist and writer, having won several national competitions, and I thought that these were necessary skills in advertising that might position me for success. But of course, you can't be successful in advertising and marketing if you can't develop trusting relationships with people, if you can't be persuasive, if you can't be convincing. So I could see this fictional version myself as a successful advertising executive, you know, standing in front of a boardroom and presenting the brilliant new marketing campaign to the delight of everyone listening. And in my mind's eye, I was confident, I was charming, I captivated the audience with my presence, with my words, and I could see this alternative version myself, but I also knew that that wasn't my current reality. I wanted to be sharp and savvy and yet approachable. I wanted to understand how to persuade others. I wanted to emulate those popular, charismatic, well-liked classmates of mine but I also knew I had a long road to go. 
So I thought that by practicing and really focusing on overcoming this debilitating speech defect, that would be the key to overcoming my limitations and becoming a better version of myself. So that was my road in college. And it took four years, dozens of public speaking classes, speech therapy, counseling, and I graduated college having competed in several public speaking contests and I actually won four competitions. But from that first speaking course when I literally fainted in front of a classroom of 25 students, to graduation when I could present to an auditorium of over 500 people, that was literally a case study in both grit and grace. And grit was evident in my resolve and my stamina to reach a seemingly impossible goal based on trying to achieve the life that I envisioned for myself. But grace was certainly needed along the journey to help accept my limitations, my slow progress, my setbacks, and it was humiliating. It was difficult. It was, it was really trying. But I tell you, I stayed steadfast to this idea of what I wanted my life to look like, the role that I wanted to have in life, how I wanted to create a productive, happy, balanced life, and I stayed steadfast to that vision. Who is your role model in all that? Because I'm looking back now. I'm really close to my dad, my mom too, but my father, and my father protected me in many things, especially after this scam. He was, he's here. He works for, with me, for me. And, you, you know, your dad didn't want anybody to hurt you, and he, put, he insulated you from them in, in many ways, which could have kept you from having that grit or having that desire. So who was there to encourage you at that point, or even from a young age, that gave you the support and said, you can do this? Because it came from somewhere. It must have been inside. But who is your model for that? Yeah, you know, I obviously had very caring parents who did all they could to help me through social situations, and they did all they could to build up my confidence and make sure that my self-esteem was as intact as it could be. And I am so appreciative of that. And along the way, of course, I had caring teachers who understood what I was going through, and they were empathetic and kind and encouraging. But I was also a voracious reader, and I found that failure is often why successful people achieve such remarkable heights of greatness. I learned about other leaders that had faced phenomenal obstacles, incredible challenges in their life, and they learn from their setbacks. They learn from their failures and mistakes, and they get back up and they apply these learnings to their next attempt. And some of the most successful people that I read about that encountered incredibly disappointing setbacks, included Walt Disney. You know, he was fired from a newspaper, and he was told that he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. So can you imagine? Walt Disney was told that he lacked imagination and had no good ideas, and clearly he proved them wrong. Oprah Winfrey, we all know her story. She was fired early in her career as a TV reporter because she was told she was unfit for TV. Can you imagine? She was told she was unfit for TV, which really was a condemnation of the way she looked. And then Dr. Seuss had his first book rejected by 27 different publishers. So for all those wannabe authors out there, stay steadfast, because I have to tell you, if Dr. Seuss was rejected 27 different times, you have hope. And then uh, Bill Gates, his story is famous too. He was a Harvard dropout. And he started a failed first business that was called Trafodata. So imagine that, the wealthiest man, arguably one of the most successful men in history, had a failed first business. So all of these phenomenal leaders, these household names, these inspirational characters, all experienced phenomenal setbacks, incredible challenges, obstacles and roadblocks, in their journey to success. So I really believe that true grace recognizes that lessons are often learned through experiencing the result of a failure, a bad decision, a mistake, and then learning from it. Grace doesn't necessarily remove the consequences or even attempt to protect you from your bad decisions, but I will say it 
allows for the recognition of the mistake, the forgiveness of the failure, and then the resilience to incorporate the learning into your forward progress. So for me, grace is absolutely embodied. It's an attitude, it's a characteristic and a belief, and as such, it can have a contagious effect on others. It can embolden others to live their purpose, to follow their mission, to capture that vision. And it can be energizing and invigorating to your team, your company, but it all starts with you. It starts by clearly understanding your life story, including your consistent themes, and then making conscious decisions push towards excellence, leaving room for failure. So you know your value because failure doesn't define you anymore. In fact, failures are the very building blocks that make you stronger and make you even more valuable. And through grace, you can begin actually thinking positively of yourself. Even though, listen, we're all going to inevitably fall, for, fall short of our expectations for ourselves, but when that occurs, it's easy now then to make amends to those you hurt and at the same time, forgive yourself because we can all do better if we're aware of our failures, our shortcomings, our liabilities, and if we allow ourselves to do better. And I, as you're speaking, I'm looking at one of the things I put down here as a social comparison, limiting our potential. We compare ourselves every day to others around us. And we're looking at our failures and comparing them to their successes, which doesn't help with our, our beliefs and our thinking. So as you have, have said in the past, and I've, I've heard this before, you, you said we all need to be lifelong learners. And I love how... It goes back to you and for me as being long-time readers and having the imagination. And, and you said you dreamt or you changed your thinking uh, of, and your world because you could dream, you could see yourself, you could visualize yourself uh, in the yep. future as something better. I think a lot of that comes from reading. I don't know that mm -hmm. we can get it from being on TV or social media. What do you think? Oh, I completely believe that. And I think it's also experience. I think it's reading which expands our horizons and places us in situations that we could never personally experience. But I also believe that life is a series of lessons learned. And my career has certainly been a series of lessons learned with opportunities to grow and develop as a person and as a professional. And I think you have to capture the experience of life. You can't observe it. You have to dive into it. And for me, because hiring managers took a chance on me, my supervisors were able to show an incredible abundance of grace, I was able to forge a career as an entrepreneurial and forward-thinking marketing executive on the cutting edge of brand marketing. And I received along the way incredibly impactful advice and guidance from supervisors and mentors that helped to shape and mold me, allowing me to accelerate my self-awareness, my growth, and of course, some of my most spectacular mistakes and some of my most painful failures were also some of my most important lessons. And if you guard against failure, and you don't allow yourself the opportunity to make missteps, then you're robbing yourself of those important lessons. And during that period when, of course, as you're growing and developing and learning and forging a career, you're going to make missteps. And my supervisors, my peers, my mentors offered me a stunning level of grace and forgiveness during that time. And that is what I have now the opportunity to pass along to others. And I think that is the true transformational power that we as leaders bring to others, is to create opportunity, to discover possibility, to solve problems in a collaborative way, and to offer that same level of grace and forgiveness to others that we've been able to experience ourselves. Because in my experience, no one grows as a leader alone. You need a supportive, confidential, and uplifting community of leaders around you that are dedicated to helping you along the way. And that has been my journey. But as you suggested, Debbie, it means that you have to dive into life. You have to tackle those things that might be scary, those things that you're not sure you're good at. It means that you have to be bold and courageous and dive into enacting 
those dreams that you have, that purpose that you believe you have for your life, regardless of whether or not there's a risk of failure. So how do you find your purpose? If we have someone that's out there that feels like they've just lost everything, you know, and they just can't see the, the next step, what do you say to them? How do you move forward? Yeah, I would say that that's where grit comes in, I believe. Grit really determines that the life challenges that we face will never define us or, nor defeat us. It's the toughness, the courage, the bravery, the resilience, and the spirit that can drive us forward. It's the backbone, the inspiration, kind of the steel nerve and the vision that you cling to. Your grit is where your perseverance meets your passion. They collide to create your purpose, your mission, and your meaning. And as we talked about, grace is freely given favor. And it's mercy. It's a sense of generosity and kindness, kind of a moral strength, a favor even when it's not deserved. But I will tell you, it is grit that allows us to persevere through the most difficult obstacles, the most difficult challenges, the most difficult losses in our life, and be able to learn from those experiences, be able to gather strength from those experiences, and move forward. And I think it's the combination of this undeserved, unmerited, unearned embrace of acceptance that's grace that always turns heads, open minds, soften hearts, leaves people in awe. But it is grit that creates that forward motion in our life. It's grit that determines that life's challenges won't define us nor defeat us. And that's really important because if if you let the naysayers or the blamers capture your attention, you're going nowhere. And you're going to be that woman behind the smile or you're going to be hiding under a rock because we're, we, we very often let what others think of us determine who we're going to be. Absolutely. And that's, that's and I dangerous. Think it, it, yes, it is. And I think it's so important to develop your own set of values that you'll use during your journey to achieving your goals. So for instance, a value you might set for yourself is, you know, we've talked about resiliency. Maybe resiliency is a value that you want to embrace. And if you embrace resiliency and the idea that setbacks, pitfalls, and adversity are simply part of the journey of growth, then you can maintain your efforts, cultivating a sense of true grit and resiliency. So adopting resiliency as a value allows you to get back up, course correct, and push forward. And by developing the characteristics that you need to reach success, like self-control, resilience, determination, you can overcome any challenge. So it's important to set your own uh, group of values to develop your own set of principles that you're going to use during your journey. And that's a decision you can make before you ever hit a roadblock, a setback, a challenge. In fact, Angela Duckworth, who is a very well-known researcher, uh, she's a researcher at the University of Pennsylvania. She actually suggests that grit can be defined as the ability to achieve one's long-term plans despite significant challenges and obstacles. And it's a strong predictor of success. She defines grit as a combination of resilience and self-control in the pursuit of goals. And those goals may take months or years or even decades. But she really believes, and I, I completely um, am aligned with her thinking, that grit is really a combination of mental toughness, perseverance, and character. And the idea of character is what you just touched on, which is creating your own set of values. And grit is actually able to predict levels of success because this really suggests that those people with significant levels of grit don't let challenges in life or setbacks define who they are or what their value is in the world. I'm sitting here just bobbing my head. <laughs> it is so true. And there was that the, the show when we were young called True Grit. And I'm thinking, this, oh, yeah. is true, this is true grit at the essence. And it is ringing true that this is really 
where success comes from. And anybody can have it. Anybody can have grit. And, and I wrote down here that, number one, you have to identify your values. What's important to you? That's right. A lot of people that I work with have lost a lot of money. And at that point feel like you can't move forward. And so is money a value? Maybe what it gets you is a value. But what is your value? Is it family, friends? Success, I, what, is, what is your I, uh, definition of values, of value? Yeah, I think for me, defining values or principles are those characteristics or attributes that no matter what the circumstances are, you will not compromise on. These are the ideals, the characteristics, attributes that literally define your life and define who you are. So no matter what the incentive is, you will not break those tenets. No matter what the bribe might be, no matter what the incentive is, no matter what the gain is, you would not compromise on those characteristics, those attributes in any way, shape, or form. And even when the chips are down and things seem dire and you've lost everything, still yet those principles, those characteristics, those values that you hold most dear are never sacrificed. They become a defining principle of who you are. Now, in most cases, people might say, well, honesty is definitely a value of mine. But you have to ask yourself, are you willing to lose everything you have because you were willing to tell the truth even though your livelihood is put on the line, your reputation is put on the line, Everything is going to be sacrificed for the value of honesty. If you can say yes to that, in no way would I ever stretch the truth. No way would I ever tell a mistruth. No way would I ever exaggerate the truth. That is a core principle of mine. Then I'd say, yes, it is. It is absolutely a core principle if you know that there is no amount of money that would ever convince you to sacrifice or to compromise that principle or there's no dire circumstance, there's no dire consequence that someone could threaten you with that would convince you to change that principle, that practice, that character, that attribute. To me, those are your key values in life. And again, it comes back to grit. And grit is a more reliable and accurate indicator of future success than any other determinant. Because having grit it becomes a driver of achievement and success well beyond what skill and knowledge provides. If you're dedicated to achieving a long-term goal and a steadfast pursuit undeterred by the sacrifices required, that is mental toughness and grit. And your value, your character is one of the defining attributes of grit. It's one of the most important aspects of grit along with perseverance and mental toughness. You know, if I could speak about mental toughness for just a second, I, I have to say that to have a clear set of values also means that you have to adopt mental toughness. It's important because mental toughness allows you in every area of your life to see beyond your current circumstances to an eventual outcome. And so in every area of growth, from your education to your career to athletic training, it's your level of mental toughness and determination that accurately predicts your level of achievement because you're able to overcome a current situation and see beyond your current circumstances to what's possible, what's on the other side of this mountain. And it's that level of mental toughness that also even allows us to choose those values, those principles that we're going to stand for no matter what. And I think what's important here is that you don't have to do this alone. And sometimes, I know working at home as an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you get so focused on what's in front of you that you can't see around you. You can't see the big picture. And I think that's what might have been a driving force for you as a connector with Lead Hership Global is that 
you have to get people, surround yourself with people that can see you and see your potential, which is greater than what you can see for yourself. Absolutely, Debbie. And I will say that, you know, because I spent so much of my life fairly isolated, and mm-hmm. of course it was self-isolation. I chose to remove myself from social situations that would cause anxiety and stress and trigger my stuttering. I self-isolated, and I became very uh, focused on singular activities, running, reading, painting, drawing, writing. Those are activities that are really solo pursuits. And along the way, I really realized that I was very lonely, and I was very um, isolated. So I learned the transformative power of being in community, and I longed for that. I wanted to create a safe space for women to experience the joy, the connectedness, the encouragement, the support of community. And I learned that by bringing together inspiring leaders to create opportunity, to discover possibility, to solve problems together, it was incredibly powerful. It was uplifting. It was supportive. Because, again, I really believe that no one grows as a leader alone. You need a supportive, confidential, uplifting community of people that are dedicated to helping you along the way. And as you noted, in Lead Hership Global, I now have the privilege of supporting and guiding ambitious, creative women to move in the direction of their purpose, their mission, their dreams with powerful connections, critical support, practical tools, valuable resources. And those offerings enable women to show up, to speak up, and to step up both in their careers and their personal life. And I have seen lives transformed. I've seen phenomenal growth and development, both in terms of wealth and success, but also in terms of confidence, um, overcoming a personal challenge, moving forward towards a dream, an ambitious, uh, an ambition, a goal. It's been a phenomenal opportunity to witness the lives of other women who have challenged themselves to overcome the obstacles and roadblocks in their life in a safe, private, supportive, uplifting community where other women have stepped in and helped them show up and speak up help them embrace the purpose in their lives and move forward in their life towards their purpose, towards their mission, towards their vision. It's been absolutely inspiring. And I like what you said about it being a safe spot. I think that's when I go back to my story and when I was able to come out and tell my story, I was in a safe place. I was around women uh, at the Women's Prosperity Network, actually, that I felt like someone was holding my hand. And I wasn't judged for the story. If anything, they're like, oh, you have to tell it now. And I'm like, no, I don't want to tell it. You have to tell it because my mother was taken for 80000 or I was in, you know, this happened to me. And then they said, this is beyond you. The mission and the purpose of this happening is beyond you now. And I think that's what happens, especially in Leadership Global. And, and when you bring powerful women together, if they're in a safe spot and they're not feeling they have to compete or be judged by others, they're going to open up and give their experience. And one thing that I, I have had to, myself have had to get over is feeling like, well, they're, they're in a higher place than I am and I don't think they're going to want to you know, put themselves around me. And, and that's judging myself. But... I told that to my husband last night. He goes, well, you're really accomplished too. Can't you see that? I'm like, no. And I think many times we can't see our purpose, our vision, as well as others can. And how, how do you feel about that? When, when we're around, you're, you're a very successful woman, my friend. And the women in Leadership Global in that community are very well accomplished in the world. Do they have doubts too? Do they self criticize. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I would say that, unfortunately, I I hate saying this, actually, it breaks my heart, but I think women generally don't give themselves enough credit. They are not as 
confident as I think they deserve to be. And there have been many, many studies that suggest that women are much more reluctant to apply for jobs where they feel like they're not quite qualified versus men who will apply for that same job with the same level of experience, expertise, um, and they feel no qualms at all about applying for that position. But a woman of equal stature, equal experience, equal expertise will be very reluctant. And it's interesting because I think as women, we suffer from a lack of confidence in a much more pervasive way than our, uh, than our counterparts do. You know, men tend to see opportunity and advancement as their right. They have a right to advance. They have a right to grab that gold ring. They have the right to be able to prosper and thrive and advance their career. And they're going to try. Even if they're not successful, they're still going to be pushing and trying because the worst thing that can happen in the minds of most men is, okay, I don't get the job. Who cares? But for women, it's devastating. They see that kind of experience as a loss or maybe even a validation of their unworthiness. And I, it breaks my heart when I read all these studies after studies after studies about how women's level of confidence is statistically lower than men's across the board, whether it's athletic pursuits, um, educational opportunities, career advancement possibilities. In all facets of life, women doubt themselves, second-guess themselves, and don't give themselves enough credit. And so what I really wanted to do was create an impactful community of extraordinary women that are dedicated to helping each other rise. And we provide that opportunity in a confidential, supportive, and private community because that gives women the safeguards of a safe haven. Um, So not only do they get access to valuable insights and key tools and resources and impactful small group experiences, but also mentoring and coaching relationships and influential networking with women who are dedicated to helping them rise advance their definition of success, and step into their purpose. So this is an opportunity for women to join a trusted group of influential women in business and politics and entertainment that all agree on one primary basic tenet, and that is that all women are deserving of respect. All women should be valued, and all women deserve to be heard. And I believe that the women that join Leadership Global understand that that's our primary tenant. And when they join Leadership Global, they're excited about joining a community where everyone is united in that belief. And that last subtopic about being heard is really important. As I heard that on another podcast, I was thinking, you know what? Someone told me after the scam that one of the reasons I was vulnerable to that, well, there are a lot of reasons, but one primary reason is for all the years I've been married, and been almost 26, 27, I felt inside that I hadn't been listened to. I had a really brilliant husband, bold, big, big guy, very audacious, very bodacious. And many times I didn't, I, I say I didn't like contention, so I would be very quiet about things. I wouldn't fuss, I wouldn't nag, I just, I didn't, I, I just internalized many, many things. And looking back on that, my friend who was a psychologist said, you know what, you've got this hole in you that was really big and it felt like it hadn't been listened to. And I bobbed my head and agreed. In the scam, the art of the psychology of the scam is that the scammers listen and they, he filled up that hole, he or they or whoever. That hole got filled up over those two years. And if I can be grateful for being scammed, (laughs) it was that I grew from the inside out and I got very strong from the inside out because that hole was filled. I love that. You have a great um, identity with listening and and providing a safe place for people to listen. Someone, one of my guests said, you know, that's why we have two ears and one mouth. (laughs) Supposed to listen twice Mm -hmm. as much as as we speak. 
in your organization, first off, how can people get a hold of you or find out about Leadership Global? It's an incredible organization of women. You're very kind, Debbie. I would say that the best way to get in touch with me is probably through our website, which is leadhershipglobal.com. So leadhershipglobal.com or through LinkedIn. I try to be really active in LinkedIn. <laughs> I try to be responsive. I will say, you know, I, like everyone, am fairly inundated with messaging and meetings and outreach. But I tell you, anyone that is connected to Debbie, I will make it a priority <laughs> to connect with you, to chat with you, to make sure that um, we have an opportunity to talk about how we can advance your definition of success. And, I, you know, Debbie, I love the fact that you talked about how important it is to listen and how important it is to cultivate confidence. And through the act of listening and being listened to, that actually can create confidence. And listen, we don't enter the world with it. No one has it all the time. And talking about it won't help you gain it, self-confidence. But, but by listening to others and being listened to, we can actually cultivate self-confidence. And as I noted, you know, we women have a particular difficulty developing self-confidence. And compared with men, women don't consider themselves ready for promotions. They predict they'll do worse on tests. They generally underestimate their considerable abilities. And yet self-confidence is linked to almost every single element involved in having a happy and fulfilling life. Confidence gives you the skills and the coping method is to handle setbacks, to handle failure. Self-confidence doesn't mean that you won't sometimes fail or in your case get scammed or anything else. But if you know you can handle the challenges and not be crippled by them, then that's a sign of confidence. Even when things don't turn out anywhere close to what you planned, you'll be able to avoid beating yourself up. So what I really recommend is that you surround yourself with a, a community of women that are active listeners, that want to give as well as receive, because you and only you can make new things happen in your life. You can't wait for serendipity to provide you with good fortune or increase confidence you have to actually create that opportunity in your life. And the very best way, in my estimation, to begin that journey is to enter a community where you will be lifted up, where you will be supported, and importantly, where you will be listened to. Realize that the path towards self-confidence is one that you have to travel. No one else can do it for you. So if you lack confidence and you want to build your self-esteem, you want to build your self-confidence, it's important to keep in mind that's a process. It can't be built overnight, but entering into a community where you are safe, where you are respected, and where you are encouraged and supported is a great first step. I think that it's just incredibly important for women to recognize their value and to both give and receive respect and have the time to honor each other and really deeply listen. And I'm looking at a quote that you had on your website. It's called, There is no force more powerful than a woman determined to rise. And that is true. Everybody has fallen. And it, in my case, it's stand up and then speak up. And I found even though you're scared or we, you know, we might get nervous, we might get catatonic about speaking, once you start and once you tell your story or you start educating, I found for me I get stronger from that inside out. And I get more powerful and I can feel myself as I move into speaking. And, and I've heard you speak a lot too. And, at the beginning, we all kind of hesitate a little bit. Then we get on a roll. And it's that just encouragement from the surrounding people. Don't look at the naysayers. I call it the woman with the stink eye. Don't look at the woman with the stink eye because she's not the one we're here to help. It's the person sitting beside her that's bobbing her head that says, I'm going through that and I don't want to be alone. And you've been through things and you were alone for so long as a child. But I'm just honored and encouraged by what you're doing with the women of the world in such a cool way. And it's self-directed. You say that many times when you're speaking about the organization. 
it's self-directed. It's it's at our time. Which have you found with the pandemic and and everything being virtual now that that has opened up the organization for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like women are hungry for community, for connection. Uh, they are anxious to learn, to grow, to advance their purpose, and also to give back. I have found incredibly stunning acts of generosity and kindness in Leadership Global because people are anxious to pay it forward, to be an advocate, to be a partner to other women, to inspire, influence, and impact others to embrace their best. And so not only, I think, during the pandemic are people interested in creating connection and learning and growing, but they are interested in broadening their sphere of influence. They want to create impact by raising their profile, expanding their influence, and connecting with other people. And they're creating time in their lives to do that, whether it's a private peer group or a virtual discussion or Accelerate webinar or leadership board or maybe a RISE boot camp. We're seeing record levels of engagement, interactivity, uh, connection within the leadership of Leadership Global. People are really claiming their power, and they are embracing the passion of other high-performing women. And I think that it's that connection, that relationship building that helps them accelerate their success, partly because it does give them confidence, it gives them clarity of vision, it allows them to expand their influence in a safe haven, but it also gives them an opportunity to integrate, as you suggested, self-directed learning with impactful small group experiences, and then as needed, expert-led coaching and mentoring. So there are roundtables, there are Accelerate webinars, there's advanced workshops, there's all kinds of opportunities for women to join, learn, grow, connect. But I think what I have found is that women really appreciate being able to harness the knowledge, the influence and trust of other high-performing women. And Debbie, you absolutely belong in that community. You yourself have created incredible movements around the world in, unfortunately, this area where women are being scammed, where women are being taken advantage of. And you have really, I think, not only shined a spotlight on this horrible situation, but you are empowering and equipping women to overcome that, to be aware of it and to overcome it. So that is an incredible purpose in life. And you absolutely belong in the community of other women who are pioneers and trailblazers, and they are impactful change agents. They stimulate idea exchange. They support the creativity of other leaders, and they provide access to critical resources and tools just like you. And I'm just so honored and so thrilled that you get to share your expertise, your knowledge, and your story with the other leaders of Leadership Global. Well, I thank you for that. And I'm sitting here and so many times when I get emails from women or get phone calls from women that have been scammed, they are professional, well-trained, well-educated, well-financed, just extraordinary people that have had either a, a sudden death of a spouse or a divorce or something. Something has happened in their life and they were looking they weren't desperate. They were just, you know, looking for a companion or looking for someone to, to be a friend. And then they get this horrific trust pulled out from under them, this horrific experience of just being a victim to a master manipulator. goes against everything we've been trained on. But the one thing that they will do is say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to tell. I can't. Many times because they might have financial licenses and they could lose their jobs or they feel like they could lose friends or family and many, many have and that's when they hide. And I've found that if you're hiding from what's happened, you're never going to recover from it because it's eating you, eating you from the inside out. And that's, that's right. my mission for our group of women is that it can happen. If it happened to me and the women that I work with, it can happen to anybody regardless of race, religion, education, 
finances, you name it. It can happen to anybody any day. And even though many of us are sitting there going, oh, it's never going to happen to me, what if it were to happen to your mother or your sister or your best friend? So that's my goal is just to make people aware, to beware and be aware of what's happening out there because it's happening in business as fast as it's happening in personal lives. And yes. it's important. And the women that you surround yourself with in Leadership Global, those are the women that the scammers want because they're good-hearted, you know, well-financed, wonderful people, and they want to get them. And we have to just make sure that people have the tools to understand how to protect their social media, protect their business media, uh, and their, you know, just take a pause. That's all we say is take a pause and think about who you're talking to because online we're so trusting that the pictures we're looking at are the real people and many times they're not. Exactly. So, thank you for all that you're doing in Leadership Global and the, the incredible women. I, I was on a call the other day and I'm, I always go into those kind of mastermind things thinking, okay, I just want to meet or see one person. There might be 25, 30. Who's that one for me? And I have a friend, Nancy Matthews, who wrote a book called The One Philosophy. And it's, there's one person there that is going to be the one for you that day. And you were, but I saw your picture. I saw you come on and I'm thinking, I need to get to know that woman. And I knew that there's a story behind your organization and behind you that was really important for my audience of Stand Up and Speak Up. And wow. I learned it this morning, and, and as you've said, we have to find our purpose, we have to find our reason, we have to find that special moment in our lives that is the reason why we're here, and we have to jump on it. So, Miss Linda, thank you so much for being my special guest today. I so appreciate you being here, and uh, thank you for your time. For I, I know you're a busy woman, but thank you for your time, thank you for your grit and your grace, and I... I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Debbie. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your amazing show where you create so much impact, so much transformation just in the lessons that you share on this podcast. So being a part of this program has just been honestly such a privilege, such an honor. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and being your best self. If you've been a victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, please make a small donation to help the victims around the world receive the help that they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfo teaming products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks everybody for being here with us today. Go to my website, TheWomanBehindTheSmile.com for additional information and resources. Check out my YouTube channel and subscribe. And follow the replays of all of our great guests. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks very much for being here.